Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. First Samuel 8 and 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. Oh, here it comes. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. Will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. The Lord will not hear you. I often hear people say, oh, the Lord hears every prayer. No, he doesn't. Says it right there. Now look at the emphasis that Samuel said there in verse 18. The king you have chosen for yourselves. That goes in direct opposition to the promise of a coming king later that he prophesied in the verse I showed you, the king that the Lord would choose. They're going against God's word. This is why you need to know God's word. Because if you don't know it, you will violate it. You better know it. Well, that's a big book, Ray. Well, get started. So he's sharply warning them that they are not waiting on God's choice. The king they want is going to turn out to be a dictator. Not a king, a dictator. Dictators always build up wealth for themselves at the expense of everyone under them without care for how poor they might be or how it might affect them. This is the kind of king they're going to get. Samuel is warning them, guys, you spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt and you're marching right back into slavery right now. Why would you want to do that? He's going to push the people. This king is going to push the people into military troubles, into wars. He's going to take their property away and use it for his own gain. He's going to tax them. But by the time they realize the trouble they've gotten themselves into, God is not going to listen. Can you imagine at the worst desperate desperate point you've gotten to is right when you really finally need to cry out to the Lord and he ain't hearing you. But hey, they're warned. It's not like he didn't warn them. 
He told them, he's not going to hear you when it gets to this point. Decide now. Now, people often say, like I said, God hears all prayers. According to what I'm reading here, he won't. The Lord will not hear you in that day, Samuel said. By the time they figure out what mess this king's put them in, it's going to be too late. And the reason why it's going to be too late is because the people are going to reap the consequences of their own actions. That happens a lot in life. And the older you get, the more you have to reflect on. And so this is why Samuel warns them ahead of time. I'm telling you, this ain't going to go right. This ain't going to go like you think it is. Oh, we want him anyway. The reason he's telling them ahead of time is so that nobody can shake their fist at God later and say, what have you done to us? They know. Right now, it's their choice that's about to get them in trouble. It's not God's choice. You ever heard the phrase, don't say I didn't warn you? Have you ever heard the, I told you so? Well, God's not going to tell them, I told you so. God's going to tell them nothing. He's going to be quiet. 1 Samuel 8, 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations. See, they want to to be like everybody else, so that we may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Sounds noble, doesn't it? It's really sounding pretty dumb. That right there, what they just said, sums up the tone of Israel's attitude. They said, no, no, God's will for them. And they said, no, this is a downright rejection of God's plan for them. And it's insulting to say that you want a king to lead you into battle after the Lord just thundered the Philistines away from them. We want a king that will fight our battles. Don't you remember what the Lord just did for you? He drove all the Philistines off. Why Why do you need different than that? That's pretty good. Have you ever done something to somebody and and you did something good for them? You did a big favor or some nice gesture and they just flat out acted like you just did nothing? You feel unappreciated? There's no gratitude in it? There's no thanks? What do you think God thought of all this? No, we want a king to go out before us and fight our battles. I can imagine the Lord might be thinking, did you forget how many times I have already fought your battles for you and gave you victory? Now, I've heard people try to justify the Israelite objection. We're back to that again. They, they try to justify Israel, the Israelites' objection to establishing Samuel's sons as judges because they were afraid his sons were so wicked that they'd be a repeat of Eli's sons. They didn't want to go through that again. And that seems to validate their reason for wanting a king. But I say, no, it does not. It does not validate their reason for wanting a king because they could have looked for other qualified people instead of Samuel's sons to be their judges. They could have done that. They didn't need to cut straight to let's have a king. They could have said, let's just find other judges. If Samuel's sons don't cut it, let's find some other good honorable people to do that job. But they didn't. So no, you cannot justify, give us a king. That's, that's an invalid point. They should have looked for other judges here. God does have a king intended for Israel, but not yet. It's not time yet. So what we're dealing with is a matter of, of God's timing in this. Now, I think the piece of scripture that really bites into me the worst is where they say, we want a king so that we can be like all the nations. Guys, Israel is not supposed to be like the other nations. 
Any of you have ever been to Israel, you'll know Israel is not like the other nations. What other nation on this earth is so small and has everybody against them? They're not like the rest of the world. Israel's not supposed to be like the rest of the world. And, but because of the fact that they wanted to be like the rest of the world, it is apparent that they forgot about their special relationship with God. Because they want to be like everybody else. They forgot their special relationship with God. And it's about to get them in big trouble because it's going to cause them to wander out from under God's will. You know, when it was raining outside, y'all ran in here quick. Y'all got in the building fast, okay? Well, if you wandered, you're going to get wet. Now, what is the sense of people going out in the middle of a rainstorm going, Oh, I'm wet. I hate being wet. Why am I wet? I'm getting sick. I'm wet. Well, get inside. No. But I'm tired of being wet too. Doesn't make any sense. Get in under the cover of the Lord God. Take some time to dry off. Well, it's not working yet. Dry off first. It takes a little bit. Let it let the Lord have his way in your life. They're going to wander out from under God's will and it's going to get them in a mess. I want to show you about how they're supposed to be special. In Exodus 19, verse 6, it says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what he had in mind for them. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. They're trying to march back into darkness again. And they forgot that they're supposed to be his own special people. Now, the key word in these verses is the word holy. The word holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. Being set apart is holiness. It's not being like everybody else. It means you're not to be like the rest. Israel cannot be set apart as holy when their desire is to be like all the other nations. Do you see the problem? When you want to be like everybody, you can't be holy. If you want to be holy, you can't be like everybody else. See how that works? The Lord wanted Israel to be holy, set apart for Him. I want my wife set apart for me. I don't want her running around out there with everybody else acting like everybody. I want her to be at my house with me. And the Lord God wants that of Israel. You're mine. You should be with me. You shouldn't want to be running around with everybody. His own special people with a unique purpose of being holy priests for his name. And by wanting a king like the other nations, Israel showed they were starting to forget their unique relationship with God. You have a unique relationship with God as a believer in Jesus. Don't forget about your identity. They were starting to forget who they are. They started to forget how the Lord sees them. The Lord sees them a certain way. You're my special people. And they're forgetting that. 1 Samuel 8 and 21. He's going to allow them exactly what they want so that they'll learn how bad it's going to hit them. 1 Samuel 8 and 21. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man, go to his city. They, they're stuck with it. We want a king. And Samuel goes, All right then, y'all go home now. 
You know, I seem to remember the Israelites were recently lamenting of sin. They were lamenting of their sin. They were sorry for what they'd done. Now, no, Lord, no, no. They're right back to violating Him again. Lamenting of sin. Whatever happened to that? Whatever became of that? I thought they were supposed to be... I thought they were getting right. But already they're pushing back. Now, again, let's not point our finger at them. The Israelites, in their mistake that they're making here, they are representing all of us. That's why this is in the Word of God, so that we can understand how God deals with us when we mess up. Because we do these same things, and we're going to see how God deals with the Israelites. It's also a parallel about how God deals with us. We're all sinners here. But this just goes to show how quick we are. How quick mankind is, because they were just lamenting earlier. Now, no, God, no. This shows you just how fast it is for us to fall back in this end, doesn't it? You think everything's all fixed up and all, we're cruising good from here on out. All of a sudden, bam, you're rejecting God in some kind of way again. Isn't it nice, though, that God considers his people those he will fight for, though? Even while we mess up? That's great. I'm glad of that. But... Even after lamenting, the Lord fights for us. I'm so glad. We ought to be more observant to our behavior regarding this issue. How fast man falls into sin. How quick we fall off the bandwagon and get out from under God's will. We need to be observant to our behavior. You ought to put self-checks in your life. What am I doing? This thing I'm about to do, this decision I'm about to make, does it glorify God or not? We ought to do that on a regular basis. This TV show I'm watching, is that good for my soul to be watching that? Does it glorify the Lord? Well, if it doesn't, I need to turn it off. We need to be more observant to our behavior. And so this helps me to observe a unique perspective here. The fact that God did not immediately execute some kind of harsh judgment against the Israelites right here. You see how he's kind of holding it back? I'm sure it's making him upset. It would make me mad. (laughs) I just did all this for you and you want to dump me? He's withholding his wrath. That's a sign of mercy right there. But at the moment, God is withholding his wrath for them for wanting a king. It's going to play itself out later. Psalm 103 and 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. If he wasn't, Every one of us would be dead right now. And we would be in condemnation now. But the fact that he is holding his wrath back is a very good thing for us. He's not immediately taking out his wrath on Israel right away. Because God loves Israel. That's why. You remember when I came in here earlier and I told you I love you? Okay? I want you to understand what love is. You'd be amazed so many people don't understand godly love. Somewhere in their past, they were abandoned by a parent or mistreated or abused, and they just cannot believe that somebody would love them on a level like this. But God does. Israel probably deserves anger. But when love is in the equation, that changes absolutely everything, doesn't it? It changes the whole dynamic And so even though Israel is trying to wander off in disobedience, saying no to God, that doesn't change the fact that God still loves them. And also, God is going to deliver on the promises that He made for them still yet to come. Yes, He's going to let His warning play itself out on them, but the reason for that will be for the benefit of their learning. You parents that have raised children, 
they've wanted to do something, don't do that. Okay, let me tell you, if you do that, here's what's going to happen. And they got that look on their face like, I'm going to test you to the very end. And they do it anyway. Then you administer the consequences, but not until they do it. Because they need to learn. Because they need to learn how to make a better decision that will protect them from something worse later. God is holding his wrath back because Israel needs to learn how to make decisions, better decisions that could protect them from something much worse than a dictator king. The Lord has held his wrath off from me and let me go through consequences that really hurt to teach me that there's something much worse and I need to make better decisions. There's something called hell and it exceeds greatly worse than everything I've ever done. And he gave me the opportunity to learn how to make those decisions and it worked well for me. So he's going to let his warning play itself out on them for their learning. Israel is going to have to experience what this king is going to do to them so that they will come back to lamenting. You see the, how things work here. So they'll come back to lamenting where they just were. They've got to come back to that. This king is going to push them into wars. He's going to be a dictator who's going to enrich himself at their expense. He's going to take their property. He's going to tax them. And by the time they realize that Samuel's warning has come true, it's going to be too late. The Lord's not going to hear you in that day. The full flow of your consequences have to take effect on you now. And friends, I have to echo the same warning that Samuel gave Israel then. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus Christ. All too often, I see people wandering off from God because they want to live like the rest of the world. God did not call you to live like them. He called you to live holy, to recognize your identity that you have with Him in the relationship He offers you because He loves you. That should be nowhere, nothing near like the rest of the world. And so people today... They want to live like the rest of the world. They don't want Jesus as their king. They want another king. No. We want a king here. They want another king to rule over them. They want either a money king or they want a government king to go out and fight their battles for them while they despise and reject all the provision and all the victory that God offers them through Jesus Christ. Now, when people reject Jesus, they reject relationship with God. It is a rejection of holiness. It is a refusal to be God's unique, special people. Because they want to be like everybody else. It is a rejection of their true identity that God intended for them. And right now, many people are in rejection of God's will. And so he has begun to bring in Heavy measures to get the people back to lamenting. You wonder why there's so much suffering going on in the world. Why is everything so messed up? Because people are not lamenting for their sin. They're trying to be like the world. God wants you to turn and come back to Him. He called you to be special to Him. Your sin is not good. It's going to hurt you. And you've been warned, why are you running straight into slavery? God wants us to lament and be sorry for our sin, not celebrate it, to be sorry for it. 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, 
not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. If the world is making you sorry, if you've got world pains, if the world is making you hurt, oh, where's the answer? You've got the wrong sorrow. You've got worldly sorrow. You need godly sorrow because that brings you into a place of no regret. That brings you to peace. It brings you to salvation. Leads to salvation. Now, from that verse right there, you can see how godly sorrow, lamenting, is a good thing. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I did against you. Forgive me, God. That's where he wants to get you. But when people forget about their sin, they try to take over. No, God, God, no, no, I can do this. Sit down. I got this. I know better. I'm going to do it my way. How many times have you been there? I hear laughing in the room because you've done it. <laughs> Just like me. The pastor? Yes, the pastor. Come on. That's what Israel was doing here in 1 Samuel 8. They forgot about everything God had ever done for them. They're tired of waiting on the Lord, and so they tried to take over and do it their own way. Friends, have you forgotten what the Lord Jesus did for you? He left the stature, the the high place of his throne. He left heaven to come down and die for us. Did you forget? But through his death, he gave you victory. Did you forget? Your money's not going to get you victory. Your career, your government, whatever it is you're hoping in, is not going to get you victory. Jesus did that. You're serving the wrong God. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Well, that ought to stick. Isaiah 40 and 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. God, I want a king now. I don't want to wait for Jesus to come back. I want to get rich and have lots of money. And then I can fix all my problems. Lord, I want it now. I say wait on the Lord. But Lord, I'm weak. But Lord, I hurt. I need the money, God. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait on the Lord. But God, you're not fast enough. Oh, as if we could do better. Whatever you think is the right way to go is not. Let's just make that as blunt as I can make it. Whatever you think is right is not. You have to consult with the Lord on everything, or it's going to turn out wrong every time. Israel thinks that installing their own king is the right way to go, but it's not. It's not the right way, and it's going to bring a lot of trouble. One thing about sin is that you can choose your own sin, but you never get to choose the consequences that come in behind it. That is the son of a gun thing about sin. Pick your sin, you don't pick the results, the consequences. Now, some points of application we can go put to the story is first, we should notice that when the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, he said, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Believers, as believers, genuine believers, you know, we're supposed to represent Jesus in our lives. Sadly, there's a lot of people that hate Jesus And I've noticed that most people who call themselves a Christian actually hate Jesus. They will not do anything Jesus has commanded them to do. They hate everything of the Lord, everything that has to do with Him. They don't like it. But for some reason, they think they're a Christian. And they will actually demonstrate their hatred of Jesus by how they treat you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.